Welcome, Bethany Online today. My name is John Irwin, and I want you to feel comfortable because, you know, Pastor Jared has the silver hair. I got the silver hair going today, and uh, I know that this has been a tough time. And I was actually supposed to preach here on March 15th, and uh, now we're getting to it just five months later. Uh, and we're talking about today about changes, transitions, and you. Now, on the website, I believe you can download our teaching notes today. So you'll want to get those real quick uh, to help you follow along as we look at this whole deal. Now, COVID has changed our lives. We had to change course in mid-March, and we're still changing course here five months later. It reminds me of this little story about the big U.S. Navy ship that was going through the Pacific Ocean on this big journey, and it suddenly saw this light out on the horizon about 10 miles ahead of them, and in that, it, it, so they saw this light, so they kind of signaled that, that place that says, change your go- course 10 degrees south. Well, the message came back from that light, said, change your course 10 degrees north. So the message went out from the battleship, hey, I'm Admiral Smith, change your course 10 degrees south. The answer came back, I'm Seaman First Class Johnson, change your course 10 degrees north. So this time, yea, thus verily, the admiral is ticked, right? And so he says, I'm the largest battleship in the world. Got that? Change your course 10 degrees south. Well, the message came back, I'm a lighthouse, mate. Change your course 10 degrees north. Of course, all of us have had to pivot during this COVID time. And in fact, over the last couple of years, Bethany has had to pivot. They've had to maybe a little mid-course correction. There's a lot of changes here that are going on up on Bethany's behalf. There's been staff changes. There's been structure changes of the services, online, offline, outside, inside, all the different things that happened. There's this beautifying of the campus. It looks wonderful. But the schools dealt with some financial difficulties. You're 104 students are waiting to know whether they can meet on campus or it's going to have to be uh, through distance learning. And of course, this COVID pandemic has caused all kinds of issues for us, both at your church and churches all over the world. So today I want to look at changes, transitions, and you. And we want to look at biblical principles that w- so we can deal with change. Can we do that? So let's do this. Why is change so hard? Why is change so hard? And I believe there might be some PowerPoint that's going with this that you might be able to follow along. Um, Why are changes so hard? First of all, nostalgia addiction. Nostalgia addiction. All right. So we look at our past and we can't imagine uh, a future could have been any better than our past. All right. We believe that uh, nothing was as good as the good old days. Now, I'm going to have you do this. I know you're sitting on your couch or you're in your lazy chair. You've got your coffee or maybe you're sitting out on the back porch. Probably not in Southern California you are because it's 9,000 degrees today. But I want you to stand up if you're 60 years or older uh, and you're listening to this. All of you that are standing or are trying to still stand up or say, what did he say, dear? We, does he know we're there? Yeah, Rod, I know where you're at. You're on vacation. Stand up. Oh, you're not 60, are you? All right. Bottom line is, 
If you were there in that age group, then you think the good old days are probably the days with Pastor Schaff, right? Now, those were the, the glory days of Bethany. But for those of you who've been here more recently, the golden days are with Pastor Lecky. My goodness, he was here 33 years. What an awesome legacy of ministry. And so these last few years, you have a new pastor, and now there's change. And so for some of you, nostalgia addiction is your issue. Now, the problem with nostalgia, it sweetens your memories, but it can become addicting, and too often you'll become addicted to your past if you only look backwards over your shoulder. So what happens is you compare. You compare the present with the past, and you can't believe that that glorious past could be any, you know, like what we're doing now, nothing's like what we, what we, quote, used to do. And so we have to be careful. Here's what Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, let the wise man insist, say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from the wisdom that you ask this. Ecclesiastes 7.10. Take a look at that verse. The past isn't always what's best. So the solution is gratitude, right? We show gratitude, a wiser response to say, I'm going to be grateful for all the things that God's done in the past, and I'm going to be grateful for what He's going to continue to do. Ephesians 5.18-20 through 20 says, be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. And so we're going to be grateful no matter what our past is. The second reason why change is so hard for so many of you is negative past experiences, right? Negative past experiences is go, this isn't going to turn out right. I'm not so sure about this. And change for you equals pain. Any of you who've ever been through a church split know how painful that can be. I grew up in a, a very, uh, uh, a very uh, kind of a historic church in the West Covina area in the 60s and 70s, and our church was about 2,000 people at the time, and a long-tenured pastor that had served there forever, and there was some changes, and boy, did we have a lot of problems after that. And so what happens is when there's been change or loss in your life, one way to look at that is maybe God's brought that change or loss into your life so you can minister to someone else. Look at this scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and count the number of times you hear the word comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You got it five times. And so if you're widowed today, your ministry may be to other widows, or you've lost a spouse through maybe a divorce. You have a ministry to people who have lost someone they love. Maybe you have chronic illness. Raise your hands if you have chronic illness. Yeah, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you live with pain every day of your life, and that's who you've got a ministry to. Or maybe this is the idea that you've been lonely, and, and who is it that you can check in with? Think about the ministries that were started out of pain and loss. For instance, Johnny and Friends, a 16-year-old girl who has a diving accident and now today runs one of the largest disability ministries in the, in the world. Johnny and Friends, right in Agura Hills where I live. Or maybe uh, the With Hope Foundation when there was a, a suicide at my former church in Orange County in 2005. 
we started the With Hope Foundation, the Amber Craig Memorial Foundation. And because of that, over a half a million high school students are being taught in public schools on suicide prevention, and I got to be a part of that. And so, uh, negative past experiences. How about your personality? Come on, some of you just have that kind of personality that says, hey, I got to have the same thing. I don't like change. And uh, we'll look at Joshua 1.9 in just a second. But the bottom line is, you have the same breakfast every day. How many of you have the same latte with the macchiato Franciscan monk stir with the cinnamon thing from Starbucks? I don't even know, right? I just know how to order coffee, simple. And so for you, your personality says, I just want everything to be predictable and not change. And so you need to see change as an adventure, not an ordeal. Come on, this isn't a root canal. You can do it. What is God going to teach you? Look at what Joshua heard when he had to take after Moses. He says this. Look at the scripture on the screen. Have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't you think Joshua had a little fear and trepidation and Maybe his personality was be in the number two chair, and now he's thrust into leadership, even though God had been preparing him for over 40 years. Those are big shoes to fill. And God says, don't be afraid. Number four reason why we have a, a struggle with change is it's, it's confusing. There's confusion. In the midst of change, that creates this uncertainty, and maybe we don't understand what our new pastors or our new deacons are doing. You've know, you got a bunch of new staff here, and what, they're not singing the songs that we like, or what about this, or that was my favorite ministry, now they're not doing that, or whatnot. And so in our confusion, that can change very quickly into frustration that then morphs into being grumpy and cranky. Don't be that cranky person at the church that everybody goes, oh no, they're going to, oh boy, get your listening ears on because boy, they got an earful for it to give us. Don't live with confusion. In fact, we know that the answer is communication. I want to suggest to you that all miscommunication is a direct result of differing assumptions. And so you want to improve our communication. And what I would say is remember this little axiom. During this time of change here at Bethany, remember this. Let's believe the best about one another. Let's not assume the worst. Let's believe the best about each other. The fifth reason why change is hard is fear. Quite frankly, it's, it's fear. And as, because fear produces this uncertainty, we need to cling to the scriptures. And we'll look at Isaiah 41, 10 in just a moment. The bottom line is this fear, this, this, this angst that we have is debilitating. Let's be honest. This COVID time has been a bit debilitating because things change constantly and we're fearful about what happens. What if we never get to meet in our building again? Well, we have to be meeting outside the whole time. What is it about fear? Well, fear is a, just a common response to uncertainty, and certainly there are uncertain times. But let me suggest to you that the Bible has a solution to fear. In fact, over 204 times it says in the Bible, fear not, do not be dismayed, fret not. Those are God's injunctions to us. Don't fear. Now, it's so easy to fear though, right? And so maybe we ought to look at fear as that thing that we're unwilling 
to give over to God. That thing that we're trusting in. Scripture says some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we're going to trust in the Lord. Maybe you've been trusting in your 401k account. Well, that took a hit in March, didn't it? The Dow was at 30 and it went down to 18. Now it's back up to 27. It's been like a, like a teeter-totter, right? Or maybe you're trusting um, in relationships and you're fearful because you're single and will there ever be anybody for me? Or maybe you're fearful of your health and being in long-term care or even death. And so some of you, quite frankly, are fearful about the um, upcoming election. What happens if so-and-so gets elected or if someone doesn't get elected? And oh my goodness. And so I think fear is a warning gauge, friends. It's, it's this idea that if I'm fearful, is my resistance an indicator that I need to trust God more for fill in your blank? Isaiah 41.10, look on the screen with me. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Fear. It's a part of everybody's experience. So those are five reasons why change is so hard. So how do we navigate change biblically? Let me suggest that there are some things that are true of what's going on right here at Bethany. The first is Navigating change and transition is what you are experiencing as a church is normal. This is normal. Now, what's not normal is that no one expected two years into Pastor Jared's uh, coming to the church that you'd be shut down and COVID and pivoting and online and giving up and down and attendance. Just It's so hard to gauge what's normal right now. But, you know, what happens is the deacons and the pastors have spent a ton of time praying and planning, and every time they've got a plan, then the orders change, right? And we pivot again, and we pivot again, and we pivot again. And so sometimes when things are going well, there's what I've noticed in church world, when things are going well, the pastor gets all the credit. Woohoo! But when things are going south, they're going bad, man, the deacons get all the blame. And so let's just, let's just agree during this time of change that we've got to understand that some of this change and transition, even without COVID, is just normal. Some people left the church. New people have come to the church. Some staff used to be on church. Now they're not on staff at the church. But for some of you, you're still mourning the loss of some of your beloved pastors that used to be here at the church who are no longer here. Maybe Pastor Lecky in particular. He was here 33 years. And so when a congregation goes through that, there are some predictable stages, kind of like Kubler-Ross in the five stages of grieving, right? But it's a little different when you're grieving a pastor. There's sometimes you have feelings of abandonment or anger or angst. And now some of you just two years later are now coming through that and you're accepting the direction of the church and your new pastor or uh, maybe even anticipating what God's going to do. Now, there are so many typical outcomes of one under this transition, this two-year transition. We say there's kind of a two-year honeymoon we're at the end of that now, but we should have expected that there would be staff turnover. You have a new worship pastor, you have a new associate pastor, lots and lots and lots of changes. Now, secondly, ministries are going to change, and they have changed, and some new ones have been launched. Who would have dreamed you would have developed an outdoor venue for worship? This is awesome. You're out there worshiping God, fantastic. And some things are just have to be different. Different, you know, attendance has just taken a a complete beating during this. We don't know how many people are watching online. That's why we need to keep connecting with each other. 
The second thing during this time period as a church, no matter what, we need to seek forgiveness and reconciliation with one another. We need to seek reconciliation and forgiveness for one another, all right? Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all men, all right? Seek forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, now, what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. Like, if you've got a problem, go talk to that person privately, but don't air the dirty laundry uh, for all to see, all right? Third point, when you don't like change, ask probing questions instead of making declarative statements. When you don't like change, ask probing questions instead of making declarative statements. Here's a helpful one for all of us. It works in churches. It works in parenting. When your kids do something really crazy, I'll give you an example here. How do you respond? You can just go all ballistic on them, or you could use this phrase, help me understand what you were thinking. Now, that applies to church workers, too. I won't tell his name, but crazy junior high guy that used to work for me thought it would be funny to drive the Suburban on a sidewalk down by the old Wycliffe Apartments and, you know, knock down uh, mailboxes. Now, maybe he was from the Midwest and he thought that's the California version of cow tipping. I, I don't know. But help me understand, Dave, what, what, what were you thinking that night with those junior hires, right? How, how could that be good? Help me understand what you're thinking. So I think most people believe that the pastors and the, and the leaders here, they have a point of view. You have a point of view. And so we got to ask questions of each other. Now, I know during this COVID time, we've been reading a lot about Romans 13, right? Uh, not so much Acts 5 or even this passage in Daniel 1. You see, if Daniel had just blindly followed the king, he would have never made this request in Daniel 1. Remember, Daniel decides, hey, I don't want the king's fancy food. I don't want filet mignon and lobster. I want to be vegetarian. Some think he might even have been vegan. Vegan, yeah, you heard me. And so he resolved that he would not defile himself, Daniel 1, verse 8. But he, he wanted to ask the king with respect, permission to test his servants in verse 12 and give us vegetables and water drink. See how different that is? Instead of making declarative statements, you say, hey, could we try this? Could we ask this? That's what we got to do in the church instead of, you know, pushing our agendas, etc. Fourth thing that in navigating transition and change here is negativity is cancer. Kill it or it's going to kill you. Negativity is cancer. Don't ever be Absalom. Oh my goodness. Look at 2 Samuel 15, 4 to, 4 to 6. Then Absalom would say, oh, that I were judge in the land, then every man with a dispute might come to me. And you know how he tried to undercut his father David and actually cause great damage to the kingdom. That kind of Absalom behavior, that cancerous backbiting, negativity can just destroy a church from inside out. And my prayer is that isn't what you've done. That's my prayer is that you won't be those people. In fact, I know you are better than that. I know that, that you can, with wisdom, talk to people. And the bottom line is you don't want any one staff person, one board member, one small group leader to hijack what God is calling to you as a church. So negativity 
is a cancer. And so one of the things that we need more than ever in, at Bethany right now is just work on the idea of affirmation, affirming uh, what you're seeing in the ministries here. And so the fifth thing, the fifth principle is patience and timing are everything. Look at Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in His way or over the man who carries out evil devices. Patience, timing. There are times that Pastor Jared's want to go faster than you want to go, right? And or maybe he says, we can't spend money on what you want money spent on. Or the deacon say, no, we're not funding that or, or the... Uh, However, finances are handled here. But, you know, you've made some beautiful campus upgrades. That looks awesome. But sometimes we just have to wait. And we wait some more. And we wait. During COVID, isn't this been the time of waiting in ways that many of you said, oh, my goodness. You know, raise your hand out there. Are, are, you, are you an introvert? Raise your hand. I see those introverts out there, out there in TV land, right? For you introverts... This COVID thing has been a complete dream. Oh boy, I can't even talk to you. I don't have to talk to you. I can stay home. I can read my books. For you extroverts, you feel like you're in prison, right? You, you know, oh my goodness, I, you thrive on connecting with people and this has been killing you. And so we wait, we wait. So what do we do during this waiting time? We work as it depends on us, but we pray like it depends on God. We work like it depends on us. We pray if it depends on, as it depends on God. Now, I can tell you something that your staff people here at Bethany will never tell you, but they've worked harder in the last five months than they've ever worked. You say, well, we're not even meeting. You know what? They're just cruising. <laughs> Contraire. They are not cruising. Let me tell you, there is work to be done. And it's harder because we're spending so much time on Zoom calls and and, and uh, phone calls and texting and emailing and trying to get people together remotely. Um, I'm looking at a few staff people in the room. They are sound asleep even as I'm preaching. I'm just kidding. I got to talk to someone today. And right, they've, they're working hard. They're working hard. Bless your staff. Thank them for that hard work and pray for them as we pray, pray for what God's going to do through this time post-COVID. Then... Let's finally look at um, what to hold on to during times of change. Because these are the four things that I want to remind you to do. Because this change of COVID is just one of many that this church is going to experience. You've had a pastoral change. You've had a ministry change. And now we're in this waiting pattern. We're circling. Number one, honor God. Honor God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. No matter what you feel, no matter what decisions are being made, choose to honor God with your responses, right? Now, I realize that maybe I'm not even talking about the church right now because some of you are just so agitated. We'll talk about your agitation as it relates to Governor Newsom and the orders and the impact on your church. But no matter what, during all of this, we're going to honor God. Now, the, the verse that some of you want people to preach on more than Romans 13 is this one from Acts 5, 29. 
But Peter said to the apostles, we must obey God rather than men. So obeying God rather than pleasing men. That's a tough deal, right? Because you've had to make some decisions as a church. When the governor says you can't sing, you said, we're going to sing. You said you can't meet inside. You said, okay, we'll meet outside. Some people say, well, you got to wear a mask. Okay, we'll wear the mask. But the bottom line is we're always trying to navigate through this very difficult time. You've got to pray for your pastors. You've got to pray for the deacons as they try to lead you during these uncertain times. But we're going to honor God no matter what. And we're going to put Him first in our decision making. Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. So let's honor God. Secondly, you've got to own your stuff. During times of change and transition, Psalm 139 is really good because in this patient waiting room that we're in, we feel like we're in the endless doctor's office waiting room, don't we? Just waiting and waiting. How about try on this verse? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, this is a chance for us to search our heart. Maybe God's trying to teach you something now that you've had to slow down and you can't be out five nights a week doing everything under the sun. And in this waiting room, God's waiting room, he's saying, I want to talk to you. I want to get to some of your heart issues. I want you to deal with some things you have been so busy ignoring in your life that the only way I could get your attention is for everything around you to be shut down. That's what happened to me in 2003 when after being at a church for eight months, I was fired. Fired. And that caused all kinds of angst in my heart. And it's a long story and I won't tell it here. But I can tell you this, is 22 months later, that same church rehired me. But those 22 months, I spent some desperate, soul-searching time. And in the end, I was fired unjustly. And I knew I had been fired unjustly. But I also knew that God was in charge and that his reputation was at stake and how I behaved in those 22 months would leave a mark on a church for the rest of their existence. And so I quietly endured but I wasn't innocent. You know what? God brought so much stuff to my attention. Stuff that you need to work on this. John, you're an impatient man. John, sometimes you are short with people. John, you need to love your wife more sacrificially. John, you are self-centered. And I could give you a whole lot longer list than that. But so many things God began to deal with me during that time where I had just owned my stuff. It was hard, but so valuable because so much character transformation happened during that time. Thirdly, we need to listen to God. Listen to God. Isaiah 28, 23, give ear and hear my voice, give attention and hear my speech. It says in John 10, 27, that my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they will follow me. And so the bottom line is, I told Pastor Jared several things a couple years ago before he came. 
Some of you know that I helped the deacon board during put their process together and helped at the end of that process. In the end, you, you selected Pastor Jared. And I said, Jared, one of the things you're going to have to do is you've got to listen to God's voice. You've got to put God first. And we all say that, but I'm telling you, when the critics, the culture, the crowd kind of start shouting in your ears, you've got to practice the presence of God. And what I told him is, you know what, you've got to hear from God. And if you listen to God, the people are going to listen to you. But if you listen to the people and you ignore what God's saying, you're in trouble. And I think to the best of his ability, and he's done a great job, he's listening to God. And at the end of the day, I would tell him and anybody on this staff, I preach it to myself, we are nothing without God's anointing. We need God's anointing on our life in such a way that we are hearing clearly God's voice because there are tricky things to navigate during COVID. How much, you know, we submit to governing authorities and where we push back and we're in the middle of it, aren't we? We're in the middle of it. We've got to figure that out. And so we need to keep an ear tuned to what God is saying but, and we need to listen carefully to what He's saying. Number four, we decide that protecting the sheep is more important than protecting your reputation. That's another thing I told them. Decide that protecting your sheep is more important. I told the deacons that. We got to protect the sheep because this is, Bethany is ripe for a, a civil war. Bethany could be ripe for conflict because you've had a 33-year ministry of a former pastor. Let's not let Pastor Jared be the sacrificial lamb of that unintended interim, Right? And so we want to protect the sheep because there's a lot at stake. Jesus died for the church, right? We don't beat up on the church. We don't want the bride of Christ to come to heaven with a black eye. So we be careful, according to Acts 20, 28, attention, being careful attention to the flock and realize this is the charge to us as the body, all right? To us as the body in 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for this is what you are called. For this is what you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. So realize what's at stake here, friends. We're not just playing church. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are real, and people need to see Jesus in this. The outside world is watching the church and seeing how we respond, and it is a no-win for the church right now, right? If you meet inside or you defy the governor's orders, as some churches have, right, then the world says you hate them because you want people to die, which is an unfair statement, but it's what the world sees about church. And then yet you have so many people who are desperate to hear the gospel they don't know it, but they need Jesus. And we can't just fold up shop and say we're not meeting. We are meeting. We're meeting outside. We're meeting here online. By the way, the church has never closed, has it? The church never closed. We're always open for business, just a little different. We are not compromising our message. We might have to change our methods, but we're not compromising the message. Amen? And so that's what's at stake. So we are like what Jesus, when we look at our world today, look at Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them 
because they were harassed and helpless. They were like a sheep without a shepherd. Can I just be honest with you right now for a moment? I've been agitated. I really have. I've wrestled with whether there's too much government overreach into the church, and I'm with you in trying to figure out what's right. I try to read Romans 13. I also read Acts 5, and I see civil disobedience. But I just got to be honest with you. I, 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 was, I was agitated in my spirit. I quit watching news for a couple months ago, to be quite frank with you. And I see Christians fighting on Facebook, and, you know, just it turns my stomach. So some of you know about a church down uh, north, or north of here that decided to meet and got a court order to, to meet, John MacArthur. And thousands are meeting, and some people say, why aren't we doing that? See, it's a no-win for pastor. We've we got to figure out what God's calling our churches to do. By the way, our church has done what you're doing. We're meeting outside. We're being good soldiers. We're putting the masks on. It's tough. My glasses fog up, my goodness. So your glasses fog up, mine are fogged up. This is how I wear my mask. I put my mask on with my glasses like this, right? A lesser-known church is my friend Rob McCoy. It meets at Calvary Chapel Godspeed. Whew, is that a lightning rod for, for Christians to fight with one another? And I texted Rod, Rob uh, a few times during all that. I was even thinking, well, our services are in the morning. I can go online. I'll go to the 1 o'clock service. But I, I didn't have a peace about it. I was, there was this, this thing in my soul that says, no, that's not right either. Even though thousands showed up, or maybe hundreds. See, that's a pastor's evangelistic illustration. Maybe dozens showed up, hundreds. I had a 2 o'clock phone appointment last Sunday with an 84-year-old woman named Joy who I had never met. Her friend Paulette said, would you talk to my friend? She's scared and lonely. She's got health issues and she doesn't know Jesus. So instead of going to another church at 2 o'clock, I shared the gospel with Joy. And she went from being lost to being found, from being blind and now she sees, to being a seeker to a finder. She crossed the line of faith and trusted Jesus and I texted our elders, I said, I admittedly have been agitated, but I want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I'm so glad that I spent some time on the phone with Joy. She said, Pastor, I, I don't feel fearful anymore. And I said, because you have the confidence of the Holy Spirit. Paulette says, and Joy, I'm going to meet with you every Sunday. And I'm going to follow up with you. We're going to help you grow in your new relationship with Jesus. That's what we should be about. Amen? We can be all agitated. We can be all upset. We can be all concerned. But in the end, what we've got to do is keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. And He wants to change you. He wants to change me. And He wants to continue to make Bethany Bible Fellowship the church of His calling, His church not our church, it's his church. Amen?